Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Anthony's Gardening Show. You're joining me here on pnwradio.org, or you could be joining me as well on KOIS LPFM. So everybody who knows me knows that I have a bit of a what some people have referred to as a woo-woo side. Yes, a woo-woo side. That is I think of it as more of a metaphysical side. I think of it more as understanding there's a lot of things going on around us that maybe we can't see. So if I had to give a name to this particular show, I would probably call it something like what we do and why we do it. And then maybe a subtitle is going to be called the butterfly effect. Now, for those of you who know me know, I am kind of big into meditation And in one of my meditations, something very interesting occurred to me, and that is, and I'm not really sure where it came from, but it just popped in my head, but it was one of those things that I couldn't shake, and that's the butterfly effect. Now, for those of you who may not know what that is, I know there's a lot of people who've probably seen, I think there's a movie actually out called The Butterfly Effect, but I can't say that I've seen it, but But for those of you who are maybe not so sure what that means, the butterfly effect is a actual scientific um, anomaly, maybe a good word for it, Uh, scientific observation, maybe a better word. But it goes kind of like this. If a butterfly flaps its wings in America, by the time that little gust of air from that little bitty wing, by the time that gets all the way around the world, it's actually turned into a large weather system or into a huge gust of wind, quite quite possibly even a tornado. This is what is referred to as a butterfly effect. Now, I guess part of what really struck me is that if a butterfly's wing can do that, what does our gardening do? What is the butterfly effect for our gardening? So when I was going through all this in my mind um, and also talking to a lot of different gardeners, because this was something in my mind that is huge because we do have the ability to affect the globe. Each one of us does. And one of the things that everyone told me is they said, you've got to start out with a conscious and mundane level. You've got to start out with, I'm going to go garden, and this is why I'm going to garden. So let's talk just a few moments about that. On a conscious level, why do we garden? Well, a lot of people garden because they make pretty gardens, quite frankly. Uh, Pretty gardens are always nice to sit and stare at when you're kind of bored Pretty gardens are wonderful if you're sad to wander through, grieving. I actually found when my mother passed away, walking through gardens was probably one of my greatest solaces. So pretty gardens oftentimes is one reason why we garden. Um, It's also oftentimes a hobby. And of course, nowadays, I always tell my clients that This is kind of transformed from a hobby to an investment because gardening has become so expensive. But nonetheless, it's still something that we like to do and have something to do with our hands and whatnot. 
because a lot of times that produces a little bit of serenity, which of course links into, I know when I was um, very, very sad for my mother's passing, that I found a lot of serenity and solace in a garden. I feel like if I am able to enjoy and, and observe the beauty of a flower bud that is growing, swelling, and then opening, then I should probably be able to find the beauty in that same flower as it's mature and begins to wane. It is another perspective and probably one that some people would say, gee, Anthony, I think you are a little on the crazy side, but it really is, I think, one of the most amazing things is to be able to enjoy the garden in all of its beauty, not just the flowering. I really, really do enjoy fall in a garden because I love to see things begin to turn and gently begin to wane for the year. I think that's absolutely marvelous. Other people, honestly, I've seen, they love to garden because they like to impress their friends. And there's a lot of people. And back when I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, I entertained a lot. And I do mean a lot. We're talking minimum of 30 people at least twice a month. And there is a lot of people that like to that like to entertain like that. And if you have got a spectacular garden, I can't think in the spring and summertime a better place to let people wander, let them enjoy the gardens, etc. I love loved having garden parties. There are also people who are avid collectors. I am a collector. I used to collect hostas back in the 90s when that was a really big thing. And so my ego was pretty wrapped up in my 400 different varieties of hosta. And I enjoyed showing them off. I thought they were beautiful. And there was such a diversity within the family of hosta that it was um, just something that I found I, I found very close to God, if you will. On the other hand, there are people, and again, I, I loot myself. And you know what? People are not just latching on to one of these, but I think people are latching on to many of these ideas and maybe even all of them for crying out loud, but also a spiritual connection. I like when I gardened, I like to have a communion with whatever is creating all this mess here. Um, I liked to, it gave me a rudimentary understanding of God. And I know that may sound a little bit haughty and hoity, but it seemed like I was in connection. It, putting my hands in the soil put me in that flow. Now, some of the things that just immediately I start thinking about when I'm, when I'm reciting this and remembering this is what was my butterfly effect when I had my hand in the, in the earth and I was thinking about all that is and my relationship to all that is and my place in the world. What is that? The kind of the downside on the whole butterfly effect is that we oftentimes probably don't really get to see the effect. But it's important to know that we have an effect and there's no one who would be able to tell me differently because to every action, there is a separate and an equal reaction. 
So when I had my hand in the earth and I was having that really profound moment, there was an effect on some level that reverberated around the globe. Just like I know um, a lot of you, I know a lot of you who listen, they, you guys use the gardening for a spiritual atonement. You, and I, and I know that because I've spoken to so many of you and you as well, you have, every time you put your hands in that soil, it reverberates out and around the world. It would be so interesting to understand what effect is it that we've just had. Um, tuning into the earth, which of course is just another way of saying having an understanding and a communication um, with God. Um, that's just kind of another way. And it doesn't matter what faith you are, because let's face it, if you believe in anything higher than yourself, then we all know that something created this. And putting your hands in the earth is a great way to share that energy. So says I. And of course, a lot of people like to grow for veggies and for food. Um, I know so many people who do not do any kind of a flower garden or ornamental garden, but they are amazing when it comes to, uh, to veggie gardens um, or to fruit trees. They're fantastic. And remind me more about fruit trees later because uh, I've got something to share with you on fruit trees. But there are people who are just so good at that. And then I ask myself, what is their contribution? What is their butterfly effect? Um, what is it that reverberates the, around the globe that is shared by other people on a very, very subtle and quite possibly unconscious, quite possibly a conscious level. So I think to myself, this entire arena of thought is fascinating because it's almost like that proverbial rabbit hole that we can go down. We can really, really, really um, go as far deep into this as we can. And I want to extend to you a invite. I really would love to hear what you have to say about this at askantony at outlook.com because this is a subject that I have a feeling the more I think about it, the more you're going to hear about it uh, in addition to all the other fun stuff that we're going to be doing. But this is something that I really, really want to develop a conversation with. But why else do we garden? We garden for so many different reasons. Conservation. Now, for conservation, it's kind of, it's almost a little bit easier to see what that effect would be, the butterfly effect, because when we're conserving or when we're out, going out of our way to help conserve this planet, what are we doing? We're restoring our ecosystem. We're planting specific material to attract specific energies, such as bees, such as certain animals, maybe rabbits, maybe deer. But we're bringing all of these together. We're also modifying our behavior to achieve this. We're also trying to combat climate change. Now, honestly, at this point, uh, at this point in the game, I'm not really sure we have that ability, but I guess we always need to stay hopeful that we do. Climate change is, well, primarily 
created by fossil fuel exhaust, the stripping of our forests. We all know that that's going on at a alarming rate. And so consequently, when we begin thinking about all of these different reasons why we garden, um, when we go under conservation, that may be one of the easier ways to start seeing what our butterfly effect is and how we're affecting things far greater than ourselves and at a greater distance. But when we want to start doing this on a conscious level, how do we begin to do that? You know, I am one of these people, it's actually kind of funny that I'll have this great idea to do something. And then when I sit down to do it, everything flies out of my head. So I think to myself, one of the reasons, one of the ways that I am able to help is I'm a journal freak. Uh, when, when it comes to gardening, you should see my library of journals. Now, interestingly, most of these journals are filled with my failures. If I had a compost pile, it would probably be the size of this high-rise tower I live in. Um, and probably most of them would be alicosias because alicosias hate me. I actually have one um, that is... God love it, trying to survive, and I'm doing everything I can to make it survive. But anyway, I digress. Um, so by keeping a journal, you're actually really saying, okay, this didn't work. And you can go back, reflect back to it, and see, okay, that didn't work. But let's not even let's not forget communication. When we communicate with other gardeners, when we communicate with our local uh, nursery officials, when we communicate with our best friend, when we communicate with our mom and dad about gardening. First of all, mom and dads, y'all ought to be listening to them because they know some things that we, I mean, they've forgotten more than we will ever know. So, and they know a lot of things that they may not know exactly how it came to be, but they knew it worked. Now, a lot of those old wives tales, there's a lot of facts based in them, but the facts get lost and it becomes wives tale. It becomes, well, back when I was a kid, we only planted certain things on the full moon, other things on the dark moon. Well, there's actually a lot of scientific research around that, but we'll get into that on another show. Um, but I love the idea of communicating because when we communicate, we open up this, this dialogue on something that is very, 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 very important of how do we positively affect change on this planet. And it remains my opinion that if we're going to save this planet, it's up to us. If y'all are expecting the government to do anything, if y'all are expecting our officials to do anything, as a body, they're not going to, they're not going to, they're going to be pretty ineffective. But you and I have the ability to do something right now that is just as big just as powerful and just as potent as what they're going or what they're trying to do. You may not always see those results, but know that when you put that petunia, when you put that geranium in the ground, how you do it is huge. Now, one of the things that we like to try to keep in mind is our gardening practices. Gardening practices vary from gardener to gardener. Uh, there's permaculture, 
uh, native planting versus non-native planting. There's organic gardening. All of those are fantastic, but they're all very individual. And I honestly believe that when we're gardening, we're not just doing a physical act. We're talking about what's in our mind when we're when we're gardening. How are we thinking? What is the energy that we consciously feel that we're putting into the ground? And on a spiritual level, where is that taking us? I think these are all things that when that if you want to participate in this, we want to start thinking about because these are all things that will lead to a greater joy of gardening. It'll be a deeper understanding of exactly what you're doing. It'll be a deeper understanding of your hands in the earth. You will end up getting knowledge that you're not entirely sure where it came from. But I honestly believe that the earth has ways of communicating with us. We also, as part of our gardening, we also like to join groups uh, like garden clubs. Garden clubs are not a bad, that's, they're not a bad way to begin practicing gardening. You're going to talk to a lot of people who have very different ideas. Plus, when we get everybody on board, then we begin to band together and we become an even more powerful uh, force. I love the idea of coming together. I always leave out a lot of labels when I'm talking to a lot of people. Uh, where I live here in New Jersey, we have a heavy um, Catholic and Jewish population all marvelously wonderful people, but I need to speak to them. I need to speak in a language they understand. So when we are, when I talk to people, I like to talk about energies. So remember that when we are in a community type of setting, remember that there are political differences. And sometimes in those political differences, people won't hear you. Let me explain that though. I recently was privy to a conversation that, yes, I'm kind of ashamed to admit I, I eavesdropped a little bit, but they were in my greenhouse. I feel like that was kind of my, my right to do so. But I was listening to this and it was two ladies. They were both elderly and one of them had said so. They knew each other, but the other one was not hearing her. Now, it was interesting because it came down to a one woman liked one presidential candidate and one woman liked the other one. But because they were on these quote unquote opposite sides, they weren't hearing one another and they were using language that frankly was inflammatory. It was things that could make somebody upset or could offend somebody. Now, you all know I'm not a big person in the whole political correctness arena, but I am somebody who, when I'm trying to get across a very, very, very important message, and I honestly believe that this is an exceptionally important message, then I want to make sure that I'm using terms that are available to each person. And the reality is, is that when we're talking about spirit, uh, spiritual um, outlooks, I can certainly use the word energy as well. It's completely applicable. It's easy for somebody to digest. Okay, I know I've probably beaten that dead horse. So let's go on. Old school gardeners. I was talking earlier about mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. You know, again, they knew things. 
And probably one of the most potent things they knew is they understood the natural system of the world and in regards to planting. Boy, and not only that, but they also understood the consequences of not doing it correctly. Now, if anybody has ever lived in places like Kansas, Oklahoma, Colorado, there's a lot of farming communities there. And you can probably go talk to about any farmer and they're going to give you a heads up on what kind of a winter it's going to be. They can give you a heads up on this grows here, that doesn't. Here you plant this at this time and then you harvest it by this time. Otherwise, this happens. Absolutely amazing. These people are able to give you information that is absolutely amazing. And they seem to have a touch. They have their their thumb on the on the pulse in some respects of the energy of, of the earth. We are people who seem to learn best by experiencing. So when we fail at something, we tend to learn from that. Hence the journal. Um, the old ones, and I, I, I probably should change my, my verbiage on that. Um, the people who come before us and the people who were really tied to the earth, they knew that this was how things worked. This was, if you did not do this, then something bad could happen. So they learn by experience, as do you and I. It's important to understand that we have an effect on the world. Let's talk for a minute about maybe some of the more um, daily uses and daily practices of gardening. Let's talk a bit about pesticides, chemical versus organic. What is your thoughts on that? I'm very interested. I believe that organics are a wonderful, wonderful tool. And there are some really, really great organic pesticides. Things like Bonide's Orchard Spray. Okay, you all know me. You know that I'm going to beat that dead horse until it's really dead. Because that is probably one of the best all natural, keeping in mind we can't call it organic because we have no idea how the chrysanthemums are raised. But it's one of the most effective pesticides I've ever used. Period. Now that said, careful when you use them, because just because it's organic doesn't mean it can't be dangerous to various wildlife. And by wildlife, I really am talking about bumblebees and honeybees. If you spray them, you will kill them. So consequently, I know when I sell these kind of products to people, I let them know, get up early in the morning before the bees are up, and go ahead and spray everything. Now, the fact is the bees can land on uh, something that's been sprayed two seconds ago, and they're fine. But if we coat them, then that's going to be where the problems begin. I also do believe in using chemicals. Um, I like a holistic approach to my personal health. However, there are times when I have to go to the doctor, and the doctor has to give me something really gross, and it works, but it's not exactly the holistic medicine that I would have preferred to have. So remember that there is a balance to all things. I don't have a problem using malathion if I need to. 
if I have a large greenhouse setting and uh, I've got a huge infestation, then I know that I need to get on top of that and I need to get on top of that fast. On the other hand, if I'm in my garden and I see a few aphids and whatnot, I typically spray my entire garden with orchard spray about twice a month. And the best thing that can happen there is nothing. Again, I get up early. I'm very, very, very conscious about uh, where the bees are and what time I do this and the whole nine yards. So when it comes to chemical versus organic, remember it is a balance. Some you have to use sometime, others you can use another time. Fertilizing. Fertilizing chemicals versus organic. Let's play that game again. So organic fertilizers are actually really, really amazing. And there's a lot of fantastic varieties that are on the market. Um, Espoma that is carried by My Garden Nursery is a great product. Now, what most people don't realize is exactly how they work. Organic fertilizers do not feed plants. Is that surprising to you? Organic fertilizers break down after a couple of weeks, because you're going to find that if you just put it on top of the soil and don't mix it in, you're going to find that it uh, molds and it deteriorates, it breaks down into the soil. What it does is it actually breaks down into the soil, enriching the soil and adding nutrients to the soil. And then the plant begins to draw it up. So organic methods are pretty good. The drawback is that sometimes they can take a little bit longer to work and you've got far less nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium, which are the three main ingredients that you're going to want in all of your uh, fertilizers. Let's talk about chemical fertilizers. Typically speaking, I am the person who uses 10-10-10. I like it. Um, I've never, I've not had any negative effects. I've got lots of worms in my gardens and a lot of microbes. So I think it's interesting. Um, I, I, I don't like to be somebody who is all one thing because once again, I see where there's a balance. I would never use a chemical fertilizer on food or on anything that I'm going to consume in any way, shape or form. It always has to be organic. But in the same token, I don't mind with my rutabecchias and echinaceas and things of that nature, I certainly don't mind giving it some 10-10-10 because what I find is that they become very, very healthy, very, very quick, and I get a great bloom time off of them. So again, just like pesticides, it really is six of one, half dozen of the other. They're both viable. And whenever you become, I, I really believe that whenever you become a fanatic about anything, then you are blinding yourself to another situation or another side that is equally as valuable. With that said, we'll move on to native versus non-native plants. You know, I had a really great conversation with a client uh, a couple of days ago. She is an avid gardener, and I had the opportunity to go to her home. Um, right now it's winter, so, but I could see what she had in there and what she had planted. And she is a big, big proponent of bringing back bees. 
She has um, hives. I think she has six hives, five or six. And she is really big into this whole, whole bring back the bee thing. And it was interesting. I told her, I said, am I seeing things that are not native here? And she started laughing and she says, you know, Anthony, she says, there are so many plants that attract bees that are not native here that I feel like it would be ridiculous for me to not plant them. And I got thinking about that and I thought, you know, I can, I get that. So here's my personal take on native versus non-native. I love native plants. I think they're interesting. In the Pacific Northwest, you've got things like Mahonia. Uh, the leather leaf Mahonia is, is awfully beautiful. The grape leaf Mahonia is beautiful. I love the winter flowers. I think they're fantastic. But um, I also like non-native plants. I think they're beautiful. And I think just like our talk and our 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 dialogue about chemical versus organic, I really believe that um, having a nice balance with the two is never a bad thing. Um, let's talk about uh, sun versus shade. Um, I, you know, if you have shade, shade gardens, I've, I hear people complaining, oh, I don't have any sun. But, you know, shade gardens can be awfully doggone beautiful. When I lived in Atlanta and when I lived in Seattle, I had a pretty magnificent shade garden. There are some gorgeous plants that will just blow your mind and you will be able to have such a rich, colorful, textural garden. Uh, it's just a matter of making very careful decisions and being able to put things together. Now, sun gardens tend to be a little bit easier, but I will also say that in a sun garden, you will probably have a lot more insects such as bumblebees and whatnot, because they really, really like the sun. As a matter of fact, if you all buy some lantana, I actually charge you all this year, buy some lantana, put it in the full sun. And about midsummer, it's so much fun to go out early in the morning, because what you'll find the bumblebees, which, by the way, are the hippies of the bee world, the bumblebees will be hanging out there the night before and get so trashed and drunk on the nectar that you will come, you will wake up and find them face first in the flower fast asleep. It is so funny. It always makes me giggle. And then I pet them because they're so sweet and they're not going to sting you or anything like that. So anyway, um, I completely digress. Um, sun versus shade, it really doesn't matter. What matters is having your effect, your energy, your thoughts going into whatever you're doing. Planting for insects. I think that's a lovely idea. When you plant for bees, when you plant for um, bumbles, when you plant for other insects, you really, really want to be kind of conscientious. Do a little bit of research on what has the most nectar. Um, you are always welcome to give me a yell at askantony at outlook.com. And I will send you a list of fun things that are hardy in your neck of the woods. Be sure to tell me where you're at, by the way. And plant away. You can also go see my buddy, um, Tony, at my garden, and he'll give you an idea. Um, you can also see Cheryl at my garden, and she'll point you in the direction. You can go see Paige if you're a garden spot person. She'll point you in the right direction. Planting for deer. 
Okay. All right. You guys don't turn me off right now. Let's let's think about deer. So whenever I plant a garden, planting what deer don't like, I generally tend to take that out of the equation because the fact is, is that in the Pacific Northwest, deer eat everything. So if you happen to have a particular garden that you don't want mutilated by deer or consumed by your deer, then I, I propose making a movable fence. And you can do that with some hog wire that you can go buy at any of your uh, hardware stores with four posts and make it where you can just move it around. Super simple. It doesn't look the best, maybe not. But it does say no deer here. And you're going to end up with some plants that look really, really great because they're going to flourish. They're not going to be nibbled on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's talk quickly about soil microbes. Um, I know there's a lot of you people that love to compost. And uh, I'm going to probably give you give some of you some really, really, really bad news. Um, when we compost, most people have a pile in their backyard, and that's that. I am sorry to tell you that pile is worthless. The pile is in all the elements. It is, you, you know, I know a lot of people who turn it once every week or two. Um, it needs to be turned much more frequently than that. And it needs to be covered. Does there need to be moisture in there? Absolutely. But Y'all get dumped on with rain. And so consequently, what you end up with is this slimy, sludgy mess that if I was a worm, I'd be packing my bags. I'd be like, gotta go. So when we compost, first of all, if you all are raking up your leaves and putting them at the corner, you will exhaust me. You will absolutely exhaust me. Those leaves are some of your best friends. I would love for you to go to any garden center, any hardware store, whatever you need, and ask them. And typically, they'll just give them to you. Ask them for three or four pallets and make a little bin and buy yourself a tarp. And what we want to do is we want a big old tarp. And we want to cover the sides and we want to cover the top. We want to make the top or we can pull it back. And I want to, while you're at the hardware store, let's go ahead and grab us a pitchfork too, because we're going to use that to turn our compost. It's a beautiful thing. And I guarantee you in, a, in several months, you're going to have some of the most beautiful compost. And if you let it heat up adequately, if you really want to get fancy, get yourself a thermometer. And if you want to heat that up to about 160, 165 degrees, what I want you to do is I want you at that point, when fall comes around, take the top off and let's cool that puppy down. Now what you've got is a biodynamic. You've got beneficial enzymes and bacterias all in there rushing towards the center to keep warm. And here's what's going on that you can't see is they're eating each other. And they are, pardon the expression, pooping out nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Everybody knows that I love Malibu compost. It's the best stuff on the market, and it's because it's biodynamic. So why not try to make your own? It's a good idea. Just remember, make it correctly. 
We're not going to just throw a pile in the back and call it a compost. We're going to turn it regularly. We're going to turn it several times a week. It's just a win-win-win. Remember the butterfly effect. We all have a part to play in this. And I want you to join me. Next time you're at a nursery and the next time you go to buy something, I want you to take that container that you're looking at and I want you to flip it upside down. And I want you to look for the recycle symbol. And if you can find it, cool. Now I want you to go up to the manager of that nursery and ask them, do you recycle or do you just pitch these? And I happen to know that Paige at Garden Spot, I happen to know they recycle. I happen to know that Tony at my garden, he recycles. I want you to become part of the solution. I want for you to have an effect all the way around the globe that you never thought you would. Because I honestly believe that when we cross over from this place into the next place, i.e. die, I believe that our consciousness expands and I believe that we'll be able to see exactly what we've done. Now, I had told you some of the, I, I was telling you about the, some fruit uh, trees. I would love to have you all join Morgan um, the last Saturday in, uh, in February for some pr a fruit tree planting or pruning, I'm sorry, and grafting. There are not a lot of people in this industry, and y'all know me. I, I don't have nice things to say about a whole lot of people in this industry because I think most people don't know what they're talking about. Morgan is par one, the most amazing fruit tree expert I think I've ever been gifted enough to know. She knows fruit trees like the back of her hand, and she will be able to teach you how to prune them, how to graft them, um, which trees go with uh, with which. Now, if you want something kind of tasty, um, the first Saturday of February, cruise to uh, my garden for jam tasting. As a matter of fact, if you make jam, maybe you ought to be entering your jam in them. That's what I'm thinking. Now, you only have a few days because it's, what, Wednesday now. So um, get that jam in there. Call them up. Tell them you want to, or you want to uh, enter yours in. And I hope you win. And if you do, it's all my fault. Um, but in any case, y'all, I really want to thank you for indulging me on this because when it comes to saving the planet, I don't know how much of the saving we're going to be able to do together, but I do believe that we, you and I can have an effect on the entire globe and an effect in a way that I'm not even sure we any of us will ever know the extent of how we affect others. But the nice thing is, is that know that you are affecting others. I hope you all have the very best February. And thank you for joining me on KPNW-DB. Signing off.